Welcome to Bewildered. I'm Martha Beck, here with Rowan Mangan. At this crazy moment in history, a lot of people are feeling bewildered, but that actually may be a sign we're on track. Human culture teaches us to come to consensus, but nature, our own true nature, helps us come to our senses. Rowan and I believe that the best way to figure it all out is by going through bewilderment into bewilderment. That's why we're here. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, A few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025, but I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass, and we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. Hi, I'm Martha Beck. And I'm Rowan Mangan, and this is another episode of Bewildered, the podcast for people trying to figure it out. And mm. we have had a few things to figure out this morning, Marty. Yeah, it's um, I blame Mercury because everyone else blames Mercury, the mm-hmm. planet, not the god, or maybe the god. I don't even know. I'm not good at these things, but it's in retrograde. Is I it? I don't know. It it's usually at, I mean, is. It seems to be more. It always is. And if you yeah. can't get your sound to work and if they've changed the app that records your podcast in mysterious ways. It's it's not a human error, folks. It's Mercury. It's got to be the planets. I was blaming Mars a few minutes ago. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> can we be sure? I blame Saturn. I, I mean, Jupiter. Saturn's up to something. I, I think Jupiter, or maybe I know it's Pluto because it's mad that it's first it's a planet, then it's not a planet, then it's just a big rock, then it's a planet again. I mean, what's the problem here? I'm going to mess up people's Instagram feeds. Instagram not not being our particular no no also podcasts that podcasts it goes without saying. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, we've been trying to figure it out for a while here, but Rui. Yeah. What have you been trying in your life apart from these moments? What are you trying to figure out? What am I trying to figure out? I was thinking this morning about (laughs) trying to figure out how to be me, how to be a mum, how to be a person who goes out for dinner once in a while. (laughs) Um, These things together are confusing to me and that should tell you just how easily confused I am because we went out for dinner. Um, it was our beloved Karen's birthday recently. Mm-hmm. So we did the very un- we took the unusual step of leaving the house. I know. Unusual step. Know. Like, do we have to go to such levels? It was, I mean, listeners, we we got in the car, we hired a babysitter, we, I don't know, put on shoes. It was <gasps> crazy. We drove for like 15 minutes. Insanity. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, and so, you know, it was perfectly nice for the 45 minutes that we were there eating dinner. <laughs> and then we we got there very early. <laughs> so we got out there very early and uh, before we knew it, we were back home and to my horror, the babysitter had successfully put Lila to bed, the job <gasps> that clearly I am the only person in the world who she trusts to fall asleep. And with. we want it to be that way always. <laughs> not <laughs> she'd just happily gone off to sleep and I I had thought that with what with the early dinner and the rushing home that I would be able to you know just do that last little bit of good night I yeah. miss my baby yeah. but no she didn't care she was fast asleep and then <laughs> you told me you said it's okay she can she can she'll sleep through it you just go in and you know you can just commune with her for a little while yeah. while she's asleep and I was just like you, you don't think I'll because you always sit by her low bed and and stroke her hair and everything, and it's nurturing both ways when you've let me do it once. <laughs> <laughs> it nurtures the adult as well as the baby is my point. Yeah, yeah. So um, Karen was terrified she'd wake up because we wanted to watch our, our TV show. And oh, the you excitement told me, of our lives. No, right? And it was Karen's birthday, but you overruled True. her, said, go in for five minutes, it'll be fine. So I went sneaking in to the sleeping child's bedroom with my little hands in front of me the way you do when you're sneaking. I don't know if that, I don't know <laughs> if that's a giveaway. You would not make a good pickpocket, my love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's hands true. up going, Doo-doo. nobody <laughs> will notice that. And I can't do it without actually making that sound effect as well. Um, but somehow the baby didn't wake up even though I was doing that and I sat down in the dark next to her bed and I could hear her little breathing. It was so Aww. nice and I just started to stroke her hair. And you were right, Marty. I mean, it was very soothing for well, for Aww. both of us. I assume for both of us. I, I did start to calm down. She's alive. She's fine. After a few minutes though, like I'm I'm sort of thinking, what did we give her for dinner tonight because her hair feels like it's got kind of, I don't know, like see, she sometimes puts some dinner in her hair. No worries. I was like, it's a bit sticky and sort of coarse. But what would make her hair go coarse from dinner? And I'm like, no, no, it mustn't. I don't know. It's nothing. Keep stroking, keep stroking. And then finally I was like, what is that hard bit on her head? And I... It was horrifying. I couldn't figure out what was going on. And so I look over and Marty on her head is a little plastic eye. <gasps> no. Yeah, looking up at me. And I suddenly thought, oh, my God, this my baby is gone. It's the stuff of horror films that. I had been stroking a monkey. <laughs> Not a real monkey. <laughs> that would be our daughter. <laughs> I had been stroking a stuffed monkey for five minutes at that point. <laughs> Just stroking gently. You know, lovingly. Stroking Joshua the monkey. stuffed monkey, a memoir. That sounds so wrong. That I know. doesn't sound like what it is meant to sound Stroking like. Stroking the stuffed monkey, a porno. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Lila was there. She was like buried deep under the covers and I was there with the monkey worrying that the Goblin King had taken her. But uh, no. It was fine. It was fine. And it just goes to show that you don't need to go to the trouble of making a baby. You can just get a toy and stroke it and get the whole benefit, really. 
<laughs> I don't know. Anyway, look, what are you trying to figure out, Marty? Uh, you seemed so much happier after that incident. Yeah. Um, well. Yeah, and mine is similar in a weird way. Yeah. Is that right? You know how there are skills that you don't know you'll need and then you get like making a fire with two sticks or whatever. And mm-hmm. you're in a situation when you need to do it and then you like wish a, you'd practiced. Like a survival more. situation. Yeah. I'm, there's a skill that I feel that I'm starting to see is going to be part of my life and I have not given it enough time. And that skill is shaving animals. Shaving animals. Shaving animals, yes. Uh, consensually? <laughs> just no, like as hold them down. Jump them in the woods, hold them down, shave them. Wow. Um, we had it's good for them. Global warming. They need to be warmer. <laughs> I mean, cooler. So um, this is because our dog Claire damaged her knee and got a knee brace. But yeah. Claire, we, she is Claire Bear, fair of hair, and a lot of hair. I mean, there is a lot of hair on a golden retriever and she's a bushy golden retriever. So, um, our beloved Carrie Coo has been trying to trim this, the hair on her legs with some scissors, which is because it gets caught in the brace and yes. it's a very messy operation. Yes. And, and so she said, Marty, could you send away for the kit you used to shave the horse? And I did go pale oh, because boy. the shaving Flash of fast. that horse was <laughs> really, really uh, stays in my memory. So we were living in California. We had a place to put horses. Uh, we didn't have our own horses, but our wonderful neighbors around us had tons of horses. And they gave us some horses um, that were kind <laughs> of geriatric. And we were like, why are they being so generous? And then we realized that horses eat money and poop money out the back. And nobody wants to like do away with a beloved horse. So we were kind of the old folks home for horses for a while. <laughs> and there was a horse called Buddy. Oh, Buddy. What a wonderful animal. Such a sweet horse. And he had something called Cushing syndrome, which causes the horse's hair to grow bushy and curly. So imagine a really furry horse, like a horse that is furrier than anything you could imagine. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. He was so sweet. And it came to be summer and it was hot. And I saw- It sort of looked a little bit like Slash from Guns N' Roses, if you have that visual. I got nothing. She hasn't got it. That's right. Give me something from Mormonism and I'll know. (laughs) Is there no bushy horse (laughs) symbolism in Mormonism? I don't know. there probably is. I'll hear from listeners. So anyway, I got this shaving kit through the mail to shave your horse. I saw that the other people were shaving their horse's midriffs to keep them cooler. So you went to shaveyourhorse.com? Yes, I did. And mm-hmm. I got these clippers and I went out and I put Buddy in the place where you put him. Um <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I see. No, it's just a place <laughs> in a barn where there's a little rope on each side and you clip their little bridle to the two ropes and they get to stand there and be groomed. And if you're gentle and caressing, they learn to love it. So Buddy was just fine. And I began, I turned on my clippers and I began to shave. Was it like, was it a little mm. bit like the the soothing feeling of stroking a stuffed monkey? Not at all. Really? It was how so, it was how like not? trying to use a weed whacker in a forest, a really thick jungle. Uh, it was like the mm. clippers were going 
And Buddy was so hairy, and I kept shaving and shaving. Now, there was no way to hurt him because the clippers won't let you hurt him. But I was shaving away, shaving away. I had a huge garbage can there for the hair. (laughs) Buddy filled that up. Buddy's hair filled that up in like seconds. And I had to go (laughs) dump it and bring bring it back and fill it up again and fill it up again. For the first time, I realized why people could make horsehair beds in the olden times. Because you could have made several beds from one horse here. And I shaved, I shaved and I shaved. I mean, for hours I shaved, poor buddy. And then it was time he really, really had to go out and, you know, be outstanding in his field as horses like to be. Mm -hmm. And um, so I had to unhook him and lead him out to pasture. And there was a guy there to fix something for us. And he looked up this repairman at the horse as I went by and he said, whoa. (laughs) And then he said, (laughs) I guess that's a work in progress. <laughs> what have you if done, you Marty? Picture, if you will, uh, a three-year-old being given, being told at, at nursery school, we're going to draw a horse. We're going to make a picture of a horse for your family to put on the fridge, along with the other 50,000 things that they have put on the fridge. And you're going to make this horse out of, I don't know, stuff you would find in a, a dry creek bed, like leaves mm-hmm. and all the other stuff too, macaroni and like piles of mud. And the kid just puts glue on the page and just stuffs together everything there is to make a horse. Yeah. That's what that I'm so like. lost with the macaroni and the dry creek bed, but I'm just going to go with you. With this, <laughs> just trust people. me. Buddy looked like something made from a lot of bad things. Oh, In I believe you. In vague general shape of a horse. And he was so patient about it. And so every day I would go out and shave him some more. <laughs> Eventually and he died of shame. He died of shave. Um, <laughs> that's funny. He died of both. No, he's not dead. Yes, he is. But in, in, a really, <laughs> <laughs> in a way that is gentle and good. And if you're not gentle listeners, but he had a happy life and a great easy death. And I'm sure he's running around horse heaven and he's all shaven there. God <laughs> shaves him the right way. Um, anyway, I did get him down to skin level. I really, I got buddy shaved, but it took me like a month. Wow. And now I'm having to shave Claire mm-hmm. and I'm not any better at it. Not one bit better. And I'm like, why did I not stop and say, this incident is clearly sent to me by, by the universe to say, it's time to up your animal shaving game. It's a thing you'll have to do. You know, like far be it from me and all that, but I feel like this may not be about your skill level. It just may be about that this is never supposed to happen in the real world. <laughs> no, like that is an alternate explanation, isn't it? I don't know. Um, well, good luck with trying to figure out your animal shaving uh, woes. Yes, and the little piles of hair you're finding all over the house. Mm. That's me shedding as I'm trying to shave Claire. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, our dust buster will never be the same. There are so many things to figure out, and you just don't see them all coming, do you? I certainly didn't see that coming. You're stroking a monkey. You're shaving a horse. Basically, any verb, any animal. Yeah. That's what you're going to have to figure out. That's true. We'll be right back with more Bewildered. I have a favor to ask. You might not know this, but... Ratings and reviews are like gold in the podcasting universe. 
they get podcasts in front of more faces, more eyes, more ears, all the bits that you could have a podcast in front of. That's what they do. So it would help us enormously if you would consider going over to your favorite podcasting app, especially if it's Apple, and giving us a few stars, maybe even five, maybe even six. If you can find a way to hack the system, I wouldn't complain. And um, a review would also be wonderful. We read them all and love them. So thank you very much in advance. Let's just go out there and bewilder the world. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, A few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025, but I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass, and we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. So, hey, why don't we move along to today's topic? Please, God, let's. Yeah, and isn't it a Be Wild Files again? It is. It is. We've been loving doing some Be Wild Files lately, frankly, because we find you all more interesting than us. And you can see why we're just obsessed with animal hair in various (laughs) forms. Um, So if you want to send in a question or a revelation of what you're trying to figure out for a Be Wild Files episode, go to rowanmangan.com slash bewildered. And there you will find detailed instructions on how to do it. And today we're hearing from Catherine, who has a question about balance. Hi, Martha and Rowan. I absolutely love the Bewildered podcast. Thank you for considering my question. I'm wondering about balanced living. I tend to live in the extremes. So for example, with healthy eating, I'll eat healthy for a week, eat really unhealthy for a week, and continue to flip back and forth. And this comes up in multiple areas in my life, such as getting enough sleep, working out, working on the company I'm starting, etc. My question is, how does one live a balanced life day to day, as opposed to averaging out to a balanced life by constantly living in the extremes? Thank you. What a Thanks, fabulous. Catherine. Catherine is wonderful. Hello, Catherine. Thank you so much for this question. And it's it's kind of a it's a there's a lot in there. Like, let's unpack it just a little bit here. Yeah. So I think, you know, I'm guessing that what Catherine's getting at is that that she feels like there's a problem in these extremes that she's talking yeah. about, you know, um, as she puts it, you know, they're flipping back and forth, um, even though from what she's saying, it does average out okay. Hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of people struggle with this. I mean, as a coach, when I was coaching a lot, this was a continuously – like somebody always had this issue. I'm not being consistent enough. I need to I need to stop doing extreme things and just be completely regular and consistent. And there was just this underlying assumption that total consistency is the way to go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, it's not that surprising that um, 
that we get this kind of messaging because I think it, it's there in the culture, right? Well, I mean, what would you say the culture says about this topic? Oh, my gosh. Like, we, you know, we always end up coming back to the whole factory thing, but it's not just the factory idea. It's the whole mechanistic, materialistic, productivity-obsessed uh, culture. Things are supposed to be driven regularly on a daily or weekly basis. It's, it's very much according to the calendar, which if you think about it, it's kind of odd. Like why should you have to do something every single day, the same amount in a factory? That's how you maximize productivity. So we try again to mimic factories. Yeah. It's like the productivity culture is such a powerful force, right? You know, everything yeah. has to be perfectly measured out this many hours of sleep, and you've got all your apps, by the way, to, oh, to check right. this now, you know, this many hours sleep, this many hours exercise, meditation, socializing, protein, carbs, fat, recommended daily doses of of everything. Eight and glasses of water, which yeah. someone just made up, by the way. There's no science behind that, but just everybody does eight glasses of water, no more, no less. Sounds very smart, though, mm. when you think about it, eight glasses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think the idea is that this maxes out your performance in some way. Like if you're, you've got to, if you do something every day, you can master skills like shaving a horse. You can um, acquire, acquire, you can do it. Like the fact that it's happening regularly means that you're going to get more and more and more and better and better and better. And if the productivity drops off, everybody panics. This isn't going to be great. So yeah, it's really, I don't think anybody can do this, but we all end up thinking we should. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Like I have this image in my head around this stuff that's like the the person who gets up at 5am, off to the gym before work, quick shower, you know, and they've always got, I always wonder how they carry all this stuff, you know, and they probably mm. use cycling to work, um, got all their gear, got their, you know, salad for lunch at your desk, quick drink with a friend after work, home to cook a like chicken stir fry. Oh, very your, healthy. Lots of veggies, veggies that you got at the farmer's market on the weekend. There for it's, your kids, there for your partner, always cool and cool and collected and producing goodness in every moment. Yeah. Yeah. Equal measure every day. Yeah. And we're I've heard you do this so many times. Like you'll you will knock out some amazing bit of writing on your novel, or you'll do something phenomenally great for Joshua something. the monkey. For Joshua. <laughs> Gave him the best head massage of his goddamn life. Or like everything will be beautiful. Like you'll go through a phase of decorating things. You'll redo your room and it looks amazing and you get all these arty things and it, you've created all this beauty to live in. And then just as you're about to rejoice, you're like, oh, my God, I haven't been cooking enough. Oh, my God, I haven't been taking Lila to the park enough. I haven't. Oh, my God, I haven't been doing something enough. And there's always something that you're, you've let go. Mm. And I'm like, dude, you're operating 24-7. How could you not let go? <laughs> like, yeah, you do well, this a lot. You're, you've been a bit like that recently with your painting, I, th I think. You've been going through a bit of a Yeah, that's phase. kind of different. I, I, like, I try, I, my whole premise, okay, um, all this mechanistic time-measured, like equalized stuff is very left hemisphere if you're talking about the brain. And yes, mm -hmm. I know it's a generality, but it's a generality that works. Yeah. So I decided I was going to let the other side of my brain take over for a month. 
right? And just see what would happen if I let myself go. And what, ha- <laughs> what happened is a time of incredibly extreme focus on just a few things. I have always loved to paint and draw, and I've always tried to do a little bit every day. And there's no reason for it. Like I'm not a professional artist. See, there the culture comes in. You're not a professional artist. You shouldn't be painting every day. You should only do that on the rare days when you've taken a vacation or there's, some, you know, or somehow when you've in- finished all your real work. That's right. In all the, the oceans of free time you have after you've been performing regularly at all these other things. So what happened when I let myself was that I I went into a period where I can't I can't even talk about it very well because I wasn't in my verbal brain. I became like a, a massive set of eyes. <laughs> I just was absolutely riveted by the process of painting and by getting my body to do it. And something called deep practice where you look at somebody who's really good at something, which now I can do online, right? Watch these supernaturally talented painters. And then I would be so obsessed with trying to create that. And it wasn't like, I have to get this done. It was just, wow, wow. And I ended up getting up at four in the morning and working all day. And and people would talk to me and I'd just look at them blankly as if I didn't speak English because at the moment I didn't. And I learned so freaking much. I My art just was like on steroids. I learned so much but it looked really, really extreme. And I'm not sure what to do about it. I think that this is a very convenient story. Mm. That, oh, the the hypothesis, I'm going to test it. Oh, la, la, yes, so so this brain and not the verbal brain. And la, la, let's see what happens. What I saw from my side of the fence was you got obsessed. I was obsessed. And. That's fair. You know, you. You completely disappeared into your art world, sucking away on your paintbrush as you do, as you're teaching our daughter to do. I thought you were saying that I sucked as an artist, but you literally mean I put my paintbrush in my mouth. You put your paintbrush in your mouth. No one knows why. We're not interested in why (laughs) you suck on your paintbrush. So, my lip. But you're very good at painting. You don't suck at all in that department. Um, But yeah, it's it's an obsession, and it's it's very. Uh, convenient for you to have this beautiful story about the experiment and everything. But uh, what I saw was you getting sucked. It's all about sucking. (laughs) Yeah, you just don't, you don't suck as an artist. It's amazing. Getting sucked into the, the need, an absolute need that I don't think is as easily explained by the mind as I was conducting an experiment. I think that's actual bullshit. You know what I that think is? That's that's something you've built retrospectively afterwards to justify it. In my defense, I constructed it prior to the event, but you're absolutely right. It's a cultural cover story. Yeah. It's a way to say it's okay to paint for a while because I have this thing about brain hemispheres that I need to prove for the book I'm writing. My publisher, raw, 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 my agent, raw, raw, and really, I just. I think I I think my soul was starved because that's what it was like. It was like getting being at a buffet table when I'd been absolutely starved. And mm. it, I could not satisfy the appetite for painting until it, it ended up being more like six weeks. 
and now I'm trying to taper off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but it's interesting because it's like it's such a great example because to me painting is is not something that really fits our, mm-hmm. you know, start it, you know, finish up work by 4.45 and then you can paint till 5.30. That's not, it's not really that sort of thing. And I just wonder how could that have served you? You were talking about how much you learned. Like how could it have served you to do this, Mm. you know, 40 minutes a day or 35 minutes a day after you did the gym and the stir fry? Like I just, it doesn't make sense to me. And so I'm sort of to, to sort of think about Catherine's question again. Yeah. Like it's it's not it's like apples and oranges in a way, I think, with a lot of our lives. And painting's a great example because it's more obviously not mm. something that that fits the mechanistic. But when she's talking about like food, what you um if you eat well one week to the next, mm-hmm. uh, it's not as clear that it should be as animal as physical hmm. as you know um as nature mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. what your painting is i mean i just get i get enthusiasms and they can last from half an hour to six months sometimes longer like what, give us some examples um mountain gorillas oh i did not know about this yeah when i it- first saw gorillas in the mist i think i looking back probably had something to do with sigourney weaver <laughs> Um, maybe that's what it was all about. Started doing my hair like Diane Fossey and was started doing my hair like a mountain gorilla. Go on. Yeah. And then you could come in and stroke it. Mm hmm. (laughs) So many directions I could go with that. Um, so yeah. And, and, or I'll just, you know, I have periods of time that is months where I'm getting up and writing early in the morning and then Mm -hmm. I just can't. And, I think over time I'm kind of made made peace with me being that way. But like you were saying, I do still uh, fall into the, oh, I should be cooking more. Why aren't I cooking more? You said Even this- though cooking is an enthusiasm that yeah. comes and goes in my life. You said this just the other day. You said, Marty, I wish I could be a consistent person. Yeah. You said that and I was like, Oh, yeah, I really understand because it would make your life so much easier. But mainly the difficulty comes from how much you blame yourself for not doing everything consistently and for having these enthusiasms that sweep you away, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, I think we're always flicking in and out of different ego states. And there's a part of me that is just Mm. like, and actually since having Lila um, and being a mother as one of the many things that I'm trying to be, it's actually been beating a lot of the self-recrimination out of me on the whole because I think it's just to do with never having had enough sleep. I can let myself yeah. off the hook a lot more because it's just like clearly everything is extreme. <laughs> everything is extreme now. So, you know, it is. consistency is a pipe dream. I'm glad you can forgive yourself because there are a lot of Sometimes. people who can't. A lot of people who like they add a child to the mix and their life becomes overwhelming and they just become more angry at themselves and more self-blaming and they try harder and it doesn't work. And then the kid is caught in that mix of anxiety as well. Well, even I think even like the that that 
the part of you that can forgive yourself and the part of you that judges yourself, I think mm. we even flick between those identities. Oh, that's such a, a good point. Yeah. yeah. It's just there is no consistency. There's no consistency. There's no such thing as consistency in the world. So how do we figure it out? How do we figure it out, Marty? Well, I have it completely figured out, and I'll tell you all about it. I don't have it figured out. But I'll tell you what I do think in a minute. I've always been weird. (laughs) When I write and speak professionally, I have to tone it down, especially the part where I believe the universe loves us and is on our side. A few years ago, I decided to just show up online and say what I really think. This became The Gathering Pod, a series of discussions about how to thrive in a difficult world. So if you need hope, inspiration, or a chance to listen to someone much weirder than you could ever be, come join me on The Gathering Pod. So how do we figure it out? The problem of of extremes and how to balance them. Well, the first thing that I thought when we took this question on board was that nature does not calculate balance that way. Like what happens every day? Is it the same all the time? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't do that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the obvious thing is the seasons, right? Like if, if everything Mm. was balanced and consistent, every tree would have, like every deciduous tree would have a third of its leaves on it at any given time, right? Something like Four? that, a quarter, a quarter of its leaves on in each season. See, see, I'm in my, I'm in a very natural space, and I don't calculate that. Sort of thing. <laughs> when I'm, when I'm here, I hey, you can be all like in your culture with your fractions and whatever. Mm. Not me. I'm just like some. Nature has <laughs> has some. The math of nature is chaos, actually, and so there's no such thing. And and chaos creates beautiful pattern disorder. But there's no such thing as an average snowflake, right? There's no such mm. thing as an average raindrop. There's no such thing as an average tree. There are no averages, average times in our life. What what is your average sleep? You know, what's your average mm. sleep? You don't even know. I just read a thing that said people used to sleep twice every night and get up for a while in the middle of the night and it went on for thousands of years and then we just stopped. Yeah. We got distracted by sleep. So it happens to me every day. Regularity is not the norm in nature is the point. I saw this great tweet recently and then I couldn't find it again to cite it properly. So apologies for that. But it was someone was saying um, it's winter and I am a mammal. So why am I being expected to conti- like to um, produce at a, a level of summer in mm. the winter? I'm supposed to be hibernating right now or at least very low activity. Um, but no, there is no, like in the culture, there is no winter, summer. doesn't yeah. exist. Same, same, every day, same, same, every day. It's always the factory and the conveyor belt. Yeah. And in nature, it's the flow. It's the, it's the big and then the little, and it's the, the intense and the extreme. And then there are times when everything goes along, but not very often does it, does it regulate. Um, I remember when we were in California again, um, there was a How bad was drought. How was Buddy? Was he okay? Buddy How was it, half shaven, not good. Half Deep a shame. perm. Deep shaven. Perm on the yeah. left, shaved on the right. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I do my hair now. But we had a drought because drought, it's a drought biome. Even though there's a human-caused climate change, there's always been a tendency for drought in California. And then the drought ended. We had a rainy year. And the year after that, 
every year they have what's called the acorn rain. We lived in a, an oak forest. So 20 species of oak were mostly the vegetation. And there's this time when they all drop their acorns at about the same time. So I was used to that. But the year after the drought, the acorn production went bananas to blend some metaphors. There were mm -hmm. millions upon millions upon millions of acorns. They were everywhere. You could they literally carpeted the ground everywhere. And each remember the remember the feeling of like when they were all falling on the roof and you used to call it the acorn rain. Like it would just yeah. like they would yeah. a wind wind would blow through the trees and it was just like <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of like cannon fire as well. Um, but there were so freaking many. And then the animals had their babies and they all had more, like the little wild turkeys. They'd go by and they'd have like 25 chicks a piece oh, after a drought. Bastards. Well, they get in, in their defense. The chicks break out of the eggs, they go around pecking, all is well. You don't know I what those mothers go through. I don't. I don't they might know because think they are like taking care of their 25 baby turkeys, but one of them is actually just a toy turkey. <laughs> <laughs> and if I had been a better person, Ro, I would have shaven each and every one of those little wild turkeys just to help out the moms. Or at least give them a hug. You don't have to shave everything all the time, but whatever. <laughs> would have been good. And then You've I, got your own ways of expressing affection. <laughs> If I really love you, I will shave you. That's how I ended up with this haircut. <laughs> <laughs> the gracious badger haircut, we call it. But I thought about it and I, I read and learned that after drought, nature goes nuts and cr it creates massive levels of life. It produces more life when the water comes back. And it was an example of how something has survived millions and millions of years in going to really intense extremes. And I remember thinking as I looked at all these acorns, each of which, by the way, has the material in it to create a whole nother oak forest. Like the, the creative capacity of that acorn rain is not conceivable. So I thought this is what giving birth, creating life and continuing life. It's a very extreme experience. You would not, I, when I had my first child, I was supposed to go, uh, two stories. I was supposed to go to lunch with someone and I called her and said, I can't go to lunch. I'm in labor. And she's like, well, doesn't it last a long time? Like go to lunch and then have your baby. And prior to that, I had said to a student in a class where I was a teaching fellow, um, I'm having a baby in February, so I won't be here next semester. And he said, that's one day. Hmm. Oh, I hope he had. I hope he was left alone with babies. Somebody had twenty-five wild turkeys. Yes. I don't mean drinks. Because <laughs> because the culture says you know squirt the baby out in the field and keep on working, and nature says, "Oh my Ow. god, <laughs> yeah." And the the body says, "This is happening. This is the most important thing on our agenda right now, and I will not allow you to focus on anything else." No, no, no. And, and it's only it, when that's not happening in your body that you can say, "Yeah, come to lunch first, right?" Because it's that's there's your brain stepping mm -hmm. in as the mouthpiece of culture. That's crazy. You're not actually going to be squeezing a human out of your vagina at twelve thirty, are you? <laughs> Come on, you eat put it first, off then three. vagina. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you a, a very soft chair. Um, and I thought the about hole this. In it. 
Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, actually, you know, Catherine's question is pointing us back to the rhythm of nature, which is to go to extremes in certain rhythms, like rhythm and huh. but syncopated rhythms and rhythms that shift and move and speed up and slow down. So instead of looking at the calendar, you're, ooh, it's happening in your body. But what you just said is when that's not in your body, you can ignore it. But we're mm. always in our bodies. So giving birth is an extreme case. But if the body is always sending those rhythms to us, saying- and yeah. Yeah, and I think like also in a in a more prosaic everyday kind of way all our rhythms are different in terms of what, what yes. we're going to need. I mean there's there's things like winters and and sometimes you have a body in your body and things like that, but you know, in terms of what you eat when and and that sort of thing, it can it's different. Yeah. I figured out what works for me uh, with exercise a long time ago. Work out really hard one day, rest for 2 to 3 days completely, then work out really hard again. But what I you could, should be doing is every single day, every single day. Amount. And people would tell me that and I'd read it and I would, a trainer at the gym would tell me that and I would get so ashamed that I would start working out every single day and every single time I injured myself. And so I have this secret that it takes me three days to recover from a workout and like I feel shy and shamed admitting that in public. But why? It It worked. That's oh, hilarious because I I just don't do that at all and I oddly don't feel enough shame, if anything, about it. But um, <laughs> so to come back to Catherine, yeah. um, you know, is the, the thing, we always say the same thing, but it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it is it your brain, brain often being the, the culture's ally and our own worst enemy? So is your brain saying that you have to do this all the time? Or is it your body, your animal, your heart, your soul? Even your soul, yeah. So what's a wilder way to do this if we were to give Catherine a takeaway? So because she mentioned food, it occurred to me that the idea of appetite is kind of an interesting one for Mm. this as a way of, Mm. you know, conceptualizing in our brains the the way that our bodies want different things at different times. You know, your your appetite for painting yeah. just exploded. And-, yeah, and and after six weeks it said, I'm full. And it was the weirdest sensation, but it was full. It didn't need to constantly paint. And there's a wisdom to our appetites that is so deep and old and very, very wise, that a wise wisdom that mm. um our brains can't fathom, like your brain can't fathom that you're eating more right now because you, you're going to go into a cave and hibernate in a little while. Is that what you're planning to do? Or just me and the monkey. I'll support you. I'll Thank support you. you, my dear. Just try not to shave me again before we go. <laughs> I, need, I need all my fur for right. the winter. So, so yeah. you know, if we want to paint, we want to read paperback novels all night um, and our brains won't understand that wisdom but if we can trust it, because, mm-hmm. and Catherine even said, it does actually even out. That's the okay. interesting thing is it's like at a certain point, this appetite is sated and another appetite steps in. Ah, interesting. So, Almost let- as though it knows what it's doing. Oh, never. So 
get rid of that cultural model of having to do everything regularly. Like really like go to extremes sometimes or stay mild sometimes, but always stay, <laughs> stay wild. wild. We hope you're enjoying Bewildered. If you're in the USA and want to be notified when a new episode comes out, text the word WILD to 570-873-0144. We're also on Instagram. Our handle is Bewildered Podcast. You can follow us to get updates, hear funny snippets and outtakes, and chat with other fans of the show. Bewildered is produced by Scott Forster with support from the brilliant team at MBI. And remember, if you're having fun, please rate and review and stay wild. You know, what I'm seeing out in the world is a lot of fear and a growing amount of despair. Maybe you're feeling that way too, because the ways our culture has taught us to navigate the world, to navigate our lives, they are failing us. We need a new language. We need a new set of tools to find our way individually and as a group. And I know we can still do this. I put everything I do know about it into Wayfinder Life Coach Training. And the tools that I teach there are to help people redefine how we relate to each other, how we make a living, how we do community. We can only change the world for the better if we redefine how we think and the world needs Wayfinders now more than ever. So please go to MarthaBeck.com and you'll find your way.